you just get a glimpse into the power that you have as a person. A lot of people are living from the neck up. The fact that we can't remove those parts of ourselves. They hang out in our heads. When you're not connected to who you are, you can't express who you are. My God, I could totally geek out on this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Laura. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Kim. This is Nikki. And I'm Louise. Hi, and welcome to the Best Parts Podcast, where we invite you to pull up a chair and think about your best parts, which are all your parts. Please be aware that today's episode may contain some adult language and will most likely include adult content. So please keep that in mind if little ones are nearby. Welcome everybody to this episode of The Best Parts. This is Nikki and I am beyond excited because today we're talking to Nicole Ralston. She's a business coach and strategist who goes beyond marketing strategy to unpack the mental blocks that stop people from taking action. She geeks out about processes and planning and her deep love, other than her family, of course, is supporting passionate entrepreneurs as they pursue their goals and dreams. She also has a podcast called Dream Plan Action. It will inspire you to find power in your purpose and create a business that cultivates an impactful community. And I know we're going to be talking about her Instagram handle later, but she has some amazing content over there as well that will get you off your ass and onto working on some stuff. And I'm speaking from personal experience with that. I'm also going to warn our listeners, Nicole and I might get in the Nicole zone of talking really, really fast, but we'll do our best to keep it at normal listening speed. And we have Sarah, Laura, Kim, and Louise here with us to keep us on track. So without further ado, thank you so much for pulling up a chair and joining us today, Nicole. Thank you for having me. I had to mute myself for a moment because I was about to laugh so hard about the fast talking. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt that beautiful intro. The funniest thing I have to mention is my husband, the first time he listened to my podcast, he was like, it's really great, but it's kind of weirding me out. I'm like, why? And he's like, because in that intro, you talk so slow and I have never heard you talk at that speed before. <laughs> well, and when we talk to each other, it's like a motor going and we can yes. like condense an hour conversation into maybe 30 minutes. Yes, we get more done that way, I think. Truly, really and truly. <laughs> So speaking of getting more done, I'm curious about what made you want to become a productivity coach? Well, thank you for asking me because a lot of times when people hear productivity, they think about getting more done, which is how I used to approach productivity. I geek out on processes and systems. My background is in computer science and engineering. And so I love learning efficiency tips and how to make things run more smoothly and faster. But it, when it comes to your own life, that doesn't really work well. When I think about gaining more in your life, I don't think about doing more things or doing all the things and checking all these things off. I, I started to realize that the more important question for me and I think for other people is, what is adding more value to my life? And it really made me reevaluate how I spend my time. Am I spending my time in ways that add value to my life as opposed to just giving it away? And because that wasn't no longer serving me, it was no longer making me feel within my integrity. I always thought productivity was getting more done, but I love thinking about maybe rest or chilling out is adding more value to my life. I found that really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. When I first was reading through the notes and um, I listened to a couple of your podcasts and you were talking about productivity, I confess, I flashed back to my corporate America days. It wasn't quite time motion studies, but it was, how can I get things done 
faster, better, more, more, more. And so I was kind of taken aback to hear that and also grateful that you're actually looking at what actually makes most sense. And it's not just about productivity from the whole idea of getting things done. And so I'm curious, when you first start working with clients, do you find that you're having to do quite a bit of re-education around that? Yes. And that's what led me actually to shifting my focus, especially the focus that I talk about from straight productivity, just into general business. Because I think one of the questions that kept coming up, as I mentioned, is what adds value to my life. And then really it becomes less of a discussion of how am I spending my time, which is important, but it, that question is really rooted in who am I as a person and all my identities, including my identity as a business owner. I love Kim saying that balance is bullshit. Like I'm with her that like life is... <laughs> Life is a wheel. And when you're working in harmony, it feels much better and you can't segregate out all those pieces of yourself. So when I think about starting your own business, it really is coming down to who am I? Who am I as a person? And how do I want to express myself through my business, through the ways that I spend my time and just in all the actions that I take. And that's usually where I start now is I, I might talk about productivity. I mean, a lot of my clients come to me feeling like they're not spending their time efficiently, but I realize the question becomes, I'm not taking action that feels in alignment with my integrity and in ways that I actually want to grow. It's so interesting because it's, I've been told this is the way that it's supposed to be. Just like we're supposed to be more efficient. We're supposed to be more productive when it really is. Let's look at that integrity and that authenticity within ourselves. And what is it that we most want in our lives? And so I do get giddy when I hear you speak about any of this, because it, it does definitely speak to the soul of who I am as well. Yeah. And I've been thinking a lot lately, especially with the conversation we're having around issues of social justice and how do I serve clients, especially ones that come from marginalized communities. And I think all of those identities really inform the way you express yourself. So if you aren't feeling in alignment as a mother, if you're not feeling in alignment as a person of color, you're feeling like actively oppressed in those identities, or you're being told that, well, when you show up that way, like I, I think about moms, there's whether it's explicit or implicit, don't talk about your kids at work, don't talk about your personal life, but that relationship, that part of yourself fuels the entirety of your day, whether you're at work or at the playground or at the grocery store, that being able to root yourself in all of your identities allows you to express yourself more fully and bring just more joy, more beauty, more abundance into the world. Absolutely. You're, you're speaking Kim's love language right now. I can hear her heart singing. <laughs> I just want to have a conversation just for a second around the idea of intersectionality and the fact that we can't remove those parts of ourselves. You were speaking so beautifully into that right then. And I'd love to hear how you work with your clients, really looking at that intersectionality and helping them work through that especially since you work with entrepreneurs? Mm, you know, I, a lot of questions come up at the beginning of starting a business. And one of the ones that commonly comes up is, who am I to start a business? Who am I to call myself an expert? And a lot of times I hear other business coaches just go, you're an awesome person, which is true. But if you don't genuinely feel like that's true, 
it's really hard to take any forward action or take any forward action that feels right because it always feels like you're trying to live up to something, like you're trying to live up to some other definition of success. So I think starting with that question of who am I to start my own business? Who am I to say that I'm an expert um, really merits some investigation. What is coming up for you when you think about that question? And I often take my clients into somatic work at the very beginning and really feeling what's coming up in their body in that instance. And once we're able to connect that feeling in their body to where that story comes from, it makes a more powerful, lasting shift. And a lot of those stories come from the culture we were raised in, the systems that are operating around us, the systems of oppression, just the systems of everyday life that operate around us. Validating those stories is a really important part of our work because a lot of times you'll recognize that it might be silly to operate under that story, but it still feels true for you. And I think validating that feeling is really the first most important step when doing work with any kind of client. Yeah, well, you know, Nicole, the sh just that little shift, because as you were talking, you were saying you're asking yourself as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a human being, even that, who am I, and really getting to that. And that's a shift from a lot of times we ask the same question as who am I? Mm -hmm. And just that small shift in, in going from, well, no, who am I can make a huge difference. You start looking at that connection to who you are. And I talk a lot about it too, is how are you connecting who you are in the inside with what you're doing mm -hmm. on the outside and how you're showing up in the world? I a hundred percent agree because I, when you're not connected to who you are, you can't express who you are. And that's when I think people feel stuck or feel like they're not being successful because they're just taking actions that are not in alignment with who they are. And the beautiful thing about that work, no matter what your entry point is, it may be as an entrepreneur, it may be as a mother, it may be as a career person, no matter what that entry point is for exploring your identity, it ripples out to all the other parts of your life. And my work as an entrepreneur on myself has made me a better mother. It's made me a better wife. It's made me a better sister, daughter, all of the good things. And that's why I love starting at that point, because that's where I think it's true that we are changing the world with our work. And that's the other thing I love to address with my clients right off the bat is everybody is always afraid to say, I... I know this sounds super cheesy, but I just really think that this idea will change the world. I don't think that's cheesy at all. I think that is such a beautiful thing that needs to be validated. And if you feel like you are the person to do it, then you are the person to do it. That statement is true. And then it just becomes figuring out, okay, if this is what I want to create in the world, what foundation do I need to build within myself to sustain that? There's something you said, Nicole, that I just like hit me right in the soul. When you're not connected to who you are, you can't express who you are. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I've been working on communicating that thought for the entirety of this year. So I'm so glad that it resonated with you because one of the things that was a kind of a facet in my business earlier this year in March is I really had this desire for a couple of years to work with creatives. And at the same time, I didn't really identify myself as a creative person. And I had to think about, okay, somehow 
I'm wanting to take on this identity. Well, what does creativity mean to me? And one of the things I realized is creativity is just really an expression of yourself. So anytime that you are able to express yourself in any way, whether it's drawing and painting, whether it's writing, whether it's dancing or working out or whatever it is, if you are able to express who you are, that is a creative act and a radical act on that note. Well, and planning and productivity to me is very creative. Mm -hmm. Trying to get all the pieces to go where they need to go and do what they need to do. One thing I've noticed with a lot of clients I've worked with is the fear of putting themselves out there. And so they may be connected to who they are and really understand it. But then there's that fear that what if I get judged or what if people don't like it? Or what if I get negative comments? Is that something that you can speak to or something that you work with your clients who are trying to start a business and getting over that fear of maybe rejection or failure? Yes. And I think the answer to that question is always easier than people think, but it doesn't make it easy to do. And that is really to connect with people one-on-one and start with people in closer to your inner circle. A lot of the fears that my new clients come up with is even introducing themselves to their friends and loved ones as this entrepreneur. I had a client recently who had said, oh, a lot of emailing my friends and family to say that I'm starting this private practice just makes me want to vomit. And I was like, that's okay. I hear that all the time. And she felt really silly saying that thought, but it was expressing it to one person in a safe space, you know, even if it's your coach, I think really starts to build that connection and allows you to see, oh, hey, I said it out loud. She didn't think I was silly. And maybe I'll try saying it to somebody else. So I think a lot of times we feel like, okay, I have to announce this on social media. I need to tell this to the world. And if if the world doesn't validate it, then it's not valid. I think just getting an idea or thought validated by even one person is really empowering and takes a lot of that stress off and then gives you the confidence to tell another person and then another person and another person. So it really is just about starting smaller and connecting with people. That's where I like to really tell clients to start looking at stories or somewhere else that allows them to speak with people directly so that they can get more feedback than just a like. I think that's awesome. Thank you for that explanation. And I imagine dipping your toe in the pool before diving in, maybe putting up a post on Instagram is like diving for some people, but Mm -hmm. just dipping your toe in by calling your best friend and saying, Hey, I'm starting a business. Would you mind passing my website along? I think that's a great way to look at it. I'm usually a dive in first person. So maybe I need to dip the toe in a little bit more. (laughs) I I am too. All of my clients are diving people. And the funniest experience that I've had recently was starting my podcast. I had built it up in my head. I have to have this great idea. I have to have all of the equipment ready. And I, I wanted to have everything ready before I even told anybody that I wanted to start a podcast. And what ended up happening was I went to a conference earlier this year and I met somebody who had a podcast and just was talking about it and how much fun she had doing her podcast, how empowering it was for her. And after that, I was like, wow, I really loved your talk. And I haven't really told anybody this, but one day I'd like to have a podcast. And she's like, oh, that's great. Whenever you launch it, just email me and I'd be open to being a guest on it if you want me. And I was like, wait, 
that was it. Like I, was, I, I, I wasn't even asking her to be on it, but I was like, oh, if I just tell people they might want to be on it. It didn't occur to me to just mention the idea to people. So I think a lot of times we feel like we have to validate our idea before we share it. Just speaking a dream out loud can be helpful and getting it out of your head, I find just makes it less intimidating. I feel like the more you build it up in your head, and I know Nikki, you, uh, that expression tornado brain just makes my whole life. Like it turns into no- tornado brain, the more you keep it inside. <laughs> Wait, everybody talks about monkey mind and having thoughts jumping all over. For me, I always say it's tornado brain because it's thoughts that circle around and they keep coming back around and they create all of this chaos and madness and wind and nonsense, but it's more of a loop than a bouncing situation. Yeah. And I think it's just such a great metaphor because I feel like the longer I keep ideas in my head, the ones that I'm really excited about and also really scared about, they tend to just build up momentum and get bigger and bigger and bigger and be more like a tornado as opposed to something fun. And, and then it gets harder and harder to act on them or even speak into them. So I just, I love that as a metaphor when I think about, okay, do I want to take the brave act, the brave and scary act of just telling somebody that I have this dream for this business or this new facet of my business, or do I want it to build up into tornado brain and just deluge into my chair and, and demolish everything with demolish everything. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I love it too, because I'm always very conscious of when I speak something for the first time that's been in my mind when it's scary. I'm recalling a conversation I had with Sarah where we were talking about working out. And I said, part of me really wants to do the Disney princess half marathon. I've never even run a 5k and my voice was shaking and she's like, yeah, you can totally do that. And I went, wait, I can't. So it almost, it gives you a bit of a sense of permission without needing permission, but it takes that fear down by leaps and bounds, like somebody else believes in me and maybe it's not so crazy. Mm, Yes. And I think that's where community really comes in. And I think the best thing a new business owner can do when they start their business is to start building that community and start reaching out to people in their field. And I know the fear a lot of times, and this is one that I used to experience um, early on in my business, was that I have to have more merit built up to show into this space. And I have to be as good as these people to be successful. When really, once I started talking to more people and sharing where I was at, one, I was always met with more excitement and empathy than anything else. It's so fun to connect with other people who have equally wild, you know, visions as you do for your business. You really start to get that sense of community over competition because really, if you want to think of the competition, I think about it more as you're kind of competing, you're comparing your services, not who you are. This isn't a comparison about who you are. If you have a client coming to you, really it's about what I'm offering serving their needs. And if it's not, it's great to have referrals to other people because really your business isn't ultimately about who you are. Your business shouldn't be validating who you are as a person. The business exchange itself is really about your services and your services ability to serve the clients that you want to serve. And being part of any business community just continues to make that, I feel, clearer and clearer and clearer. I was just in a conversation yesterday with somebody about the difference between 
doing business in a self-serving manner versus recognizing that what we are all doing in the businesses that we're doing out there and what I think most people actually put together their businesses for these days is to serve others, right? Whether it's through a product or a service, there is a process of serving others. And so often I feel like we get into this perfectionist frame of mind because we're so concerned with, well, is this self-serving? Is this just for me? Without recognizing that we're in service for others by putting our business out there. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. I mean, a hundred percent. I think that is the biggest shift I had in terms of my business itself is business is all about service. And I think a lot of times, and we could talk about money stories a long time, but there's so many things that tell us that money is the root of all evil, which the quote, by the way, is actually love of money is the root of all evil, which is not the same thing. you corrected it. (laughs) (laughs) But I think a lot of times we're told that, and as women, we're told that sacrificing ourselves is the best thing that we can do. And then you tie that into money and it feels like, oh, well, I'm being greedy by asking for money for this service. I'm not doing good because I'm not just offering it freely, which it's it's not about that. It's about value. When I am, and on the client end, I often think, I'm not spending money on that person. I'm spending money on myself. I'm buying this thing because it is going to add value to my life. So I think it becomes easier to think of tying service in with money that way, because really you are serving your clients and the money that they're exchanging is really, they are genuinely investing in themselves. They're spending this money because they think that this service is going to enhance their lives. They're giving you money is not a moral situation at all. Well, and even the looking at what is adding more value to my life, like you just said, when you spend money, it's because it's going to add value to your life. And so in creating that business, how do I want to add value to the world? Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. And I think that that's my goal with all of my clients is to start seeing that word value as synonymous with money, as synonymous with time. All of those things are different ways that we physically manifest value, but they all come down to value. I think that becomes a big mindset shift too around the way that you operate. How am I spending my time in ways that add value to my life? How am I spending money in ways that add value to my life? And as a business owner, then how am I creating How am I creating moments? How am I creating opportunities um, for others to add value to their lives? And even recognizing in that, that different people value different things at different Mm -hmm. levels. For me, it's a lot about time and my lifestyle and money is more like three or four to me because it serves the other ones, but it's never my driving factor there. I know there are people who fill up my bank account and then fill up my other bank account. And that is what will drive them. But having that be the space that you lean into allows you to be within your true values to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think when it also becomes a question of value on that note of having to be an expert and a perfectionist, I think really just rooting your services in that question, how can I best offer value really takes the ego out of the table because out of the discussion, because it then just becomes, all right, what am I doing to enhance my customer? How am I, what am I doing to solve the problem that my customer has? What am I doing to meet their needs? And then it really just becomes about the customer and your relationship with them, not about the actual money exchange itself. I wanted to go back to something, Nicole, that you said earlier, 
you mentioned that you like to start with some with somatic work. And I know what I found with my clients is often we're not used to feeling our bodies. A lot of people are living from the neck up. And so I was curious, how do your clients react or how do they respond to doing some somatic work? And I'm curious if you're willing to share with us, how do you get that started with people who aren't used to living below their neck? Mm, That's a great question because a lot of my clients generally are coaches or therapists. So they're trained to (laughs) do somatic work, but I have had clients who are not, and it's giving them space and time to process because a lot of times when clients are out of touch with their body, they immediately just want to say that I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. And that's okay. So why don't we then still just sit in this quiet space And you can just practice noticing your body. And I will just start naming parts. I usually go from the toes up. Do you notice anything in your toes right now? If not, that's okay. Do you notice anything in your knees? And I help walk them through all the different parts of their body to see if there's anything there. I think letting them have just some quiet space to sit and and process is really valuable in itself because it then opens that door for them to get a little more curious and notice if anything comes up. I I have had clients that even noticing that has really helped their day because then they'll be like, oh yeah, my shoulders are up again. Let me just relax them. So I think just giving them that quiet pause to understand that they can take some space to sit in the quiet and get back in touch with themselves and just breathe if anything, if they are feeling some kind of stress, anxiety, or overwhelm. It's just giving clients permission to approach that practice slowly. You mentioned, Nicole, that a lot of your clients are coaches and all of us are trained to notice our body. Why should our listeners start paying more attention to their bodies? As someone who used to be super disconnected from their body, I think being more connected with your body and allowing yourself to process what it's experiencing and the emotions that you're experiencing that are usually tied to it, just lead you to making better decisions that are more in alignment with your integrity. Because the problem that I used to have is I'd feel that and I would just want to not feel that right away. So I would bypass over it and just to make the first decision that would allow me to bypass over it. And I'll just use the example with my kids. If I was getting really angry around them, I would do something like yell and, you know, kind of feel better for a second just to release that energy, but then feel badly about it later. Where now, if I am getting really angry and irritated around my kids, which happens all the time, as much as I love them, um, sitting and breathing through it has helped me make better decisions. Even just saying, hey, I need a minute to sit down and, and breathe for a second. And then I give my kids permission to do the same. And then I think about what's making me upset and then address that as opposed to just act out of anger. Yeah. I think that's where our stories live. Those little bits of code, those little pieces of our past, they hang out in our heads, right? They're, they're all those bits that are floating around there. And when you can just put those aside for a moment and connect with your body, I think then you have the opportunity to connect more with who you really are without those stories getting in the way. Well, and I get to say my favorite thing here where attention goes, energy flows. And so Nicole, when you were talking about having your shoulders up and stress and you pay attention, you release the shoulders that 
it relaxes you. It's not just a putting your shoulders down. It's causes a response in your body to release some of that stress. It's a little bit like a pressure valve. And so if we can go into our body and get that information, like when you're so overwhelmed and feeling so many things, you can't even name a feeling. If you can get in your body, you can get information to help understand what you're feeling, why you're feeling it, and even how to allow it to process. So you can do something with it instead of being stuck in the yelling, screaming, angry mode. Yeah. And for me, for someone who does not have kids, but I work with college students and college athletics, we're talking about our physical selves a lot, but we don't necessarily go to the somatic work that you're talking about. And I've really tried to implement that with the team. I feel like learning somatic work has really helped me when you're trying to perform and you're anxious. Where is that? Is it, and typically it's their breathing high in their chest and it's working on breathing and slowing your heart rate. And so we're trying to perform physically, but I love that you can connect it to other things too. Like when you're ready to hit send to put a post out to the world, maybe you need to see where the stress is and take a breath and relax yourself and know this is what I want to do. This is me showing up as myself. Sarah, it's that moment before you're a keyboard warrior. Absolutely. Right before <laughs> I decide to be that. Yep. I just take the breath and say, is this who I want to be? Nope. Delete. <laughs> Breathing is pretty huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I love you bring that up, Sarah, because that's one of the things I've been really cognizant about in my swim coaching this year. I grew up playing basketball and swam and I was realizing all those little rituals that I would do before I would take a free throw or I would do while I was on the diving block waiting for them to ring the starting bell. All of those little rituals are to help decrease anxiety, right? I would clap to myself before to get out that excitement, that anxious tension I would have before I had to dive and actually perform in a race. And all of a sudden this year I was like, oh, that's just a moment to let me process, process that anxiety and move it through my body. And I just never made that connection. And now that I understand how somatic work works, and then obviously just getting in tune with your body more makes you a better athlete is I, as a swim coach, this is really hard because I can't correct the swimmers while they're swimming. I, I, I don't know that much about golf, but you could stand next to somebody and like, you could even move their arms if you wanted to, if you're coaching golf, but in swim, it's like, they're in the pool. Like I can't, I can't, there's nothing I can do when they're swimming. So I was constantly telling them all you need to do this lap is don't stress about correcting your form right now. Just notice your arms and see that you can describe somehow in your head what they're doing. And then when I give you direction on the next lap, Hopefully you can be like, oh, okay, I see what she's saying because they felt their arms and then they could try to adjust them in the way that I said. So I think diving into your body just helps with so many other different, more practical aspects in your life as well. My God, I could totally geek out on this for a while. <laughs> um, so just the one quick thing I, I say is to relate it to routine. And this is a routine in anything. That's what we work with the somatic feelings for routine. And with golf, you're hopefully shooting 70 or 75, but you're having 75 shots. So you have to have your routine 75 times. You want it to be super consistent. And mm -hmm. so relating it to all the other areas of your life, when you have routines, be really consistent with it, whether it's somatic work or anything else. I also love too it prepares you for what you're doing. So even getting ready to sit down at your desk, you know, sometimes it's a challenge to do, but if you have a little routine or a ritual, I get my cup, I make my tea, I pet the dog, I come and sit down and it just gets your mind into, okay, it's time to work now. And so it makes it easier to mm -hmm. get into that kind of place because you're training yourself that these are the cues that are bringing you to the routine. 
Oh, I could geek out on routines all day. I'm totally with you, Nikki. Because those routines, if we can make them serve us, because I think there's a lot of routines in our life and we can all speak yes. to that aren't serving us. When we become more cognizant of them and build them intentionally, it does put us in a better framework, a better state of mind at little points in our day. And then just allows us to be what I think is genuinely more productive. Again, adding the value and acting in the ways that we want to act. I love setting up little routines like that for myself mindfully. I recently added a nighttime routine and I had balked at it. I'm in an eating program and that's one of the things they recommended you do straight up. And I was like, that's never happening. (laughs) And three years later, I actually have added it. And what I noticed is the minute I sit down in the chair to do that evening routine, my body starts to relax because now it knows that we're headed to bed. And so I found that it's actually been very helpful. So who knew? Oh my gosh. I, I feel you so much. There are so many things that I do now that I fought a couple years ago, like, okay, that works for that person, but this is not going to work for me. Um, and one of them is my morning routine. And there was a morning routine that somebody had proposed that involved sitting in silence, reading, doing a bit of exercise or some kind of movement, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, well, I don't need to do all of those pieces. And now that I've done all of this internal self-work, I have come to the conclusion that I need to do all of those pieces because they (laughs) made a better start, made my day start off on the right foot. But I did have to eventually just come to that conclusion myself. So I love that you shared that because if you don't really understand it, it goes back to, again, just because you say something to someone and tell them that you think that they're great, if it doesn't feel true for them in the moment, they're not really going to act on it. So I think doing that internal work of what does feel true for me, how do I want to respond in that moment? And then coming to that conclusion to yourself naturally is just such a longer lasting, creates such longer lasting change. You have some people on here with some of the four tendencies who, if you try to tell us what to do, we're going to say, screw you. You can't tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually we might get there, but if you tell us, we absolutely will not, even if we want to. (laughs) It is interesting to have a group of people where you have two rebels and a questioner. It makes for decision-making super fun. (laughs) All right, Nicole, what do you have going on that you would like to share with our listeners? Oh, right now I have a podcast called Dream Plan Action in which most of the episodes I host other entrepreneurs to talk about business. Uh, The first season is all about how to define that vision for your business. And it was just Again, so amazing to connect with these people and connect with people I admire and get such easy yeses out of them. It's great, inspiring listening. (laughs) And getting to lean into that dream of yours. I'm so excited. It's such a great podcast. I highly recommend it. And also wondering where can everybody find you in the digital world? Mm, Well, as you mentioned, I love Instagram. If you reach out to me there, I will definitely get back to you. My handle is Nicole Ralston, Nicole N-I-C-O-L-E, R-A-L-S-T-O-N underscore um, on Instagram. Um, And I post a lot of mindset tips on there. I post a lot of tips on how to try to start connecting with clients in a way that feels organic and authentic on Instagram. If you want to learn about authenticity on Instagram, check it out. Thank you. You're welcome. So now everybody hold on to your hats because Kim is up and it's time (laughs) for the lightning round. I'm doing my little hand clapping ritual to, to get me pumped up. 
All right. So you were just talking about yourself on Instagram and I love your Instagram uh, account. So I am curious based on something that I saw on there, what is the best part of doodling? Ooh, the best part of doodling is just getting a picture done really fast. I used to be so precious about my art and now I doodle something and I think it looks silly and it makes me happy. And then I'm done and I get to move on and get that idea out. (laughs) That's so cool. And you have to go to her Instagram account because you have to check out her doodling videos. They're great. Uh, I wanted to know what, what are they? I don't know this. I'm sorry. What is it? What is it? (laughs) I was just sharing a lot of doodling. I was big. I was doing at the beginning of quarantine, honestly, like I was doodling every day because I just needed something cheerful. So I, I, I did a lot of videos and I ended up actually connecting with some other creatives and doing some crafting videos with them. They did the craft. I did it with them. So kind of related. What's the best part of highlighters and color coding? <laughs> I love that you asked this question. I just, laugh. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just love, oh, I love dorking out with my planner and it just brings such joy to looking at my calendar. I mean, it's a calendar. It's not really by its nature, anything exciting. And I love this book that I read earlier this year called Joyful. And she was talking about how to cultivate more joy in your life with simple things. And one of the things that bring humans natural joy is color. And so I think just adding those little bits has you open your calendar and just gives you another reason to look forward to your day or look forward to reading it. Cause sometimes it's not the most fun thing to read. You were just speaking about joy. And I know that there are a couple other people in your life that bring joy to you. So what is the best part about being a mom? Mm, I think the best part about being a mom is seeing my kids for who they are. Like they're such cool people and they're five and almost three. My youngest is turning three in nine days. Uh, (laughs) And I just love that at their, at this age, this is like the purest expression of who they are and who they are is wonderful and magical. And I cannot wait to see all the wonderful things that brings them. Aw, I love that. So you also said that there might be some yelling involved <laughs> in motherhood. I've yeah. never heard that. Being a mom myself, I've never, I, I, I do not know from what you speak at all. <laughs> I'm curious, what is the best part of setting boundaries? Oh, (laughs) I love this question. I didn't realize it until now, but I have been waiting for this question. (laughs) You're welcome. As a mother, it is letting them know that they also can set those boundaries for themselves. I think altruistically, it's, it's a good example to be setting for your kids. But honestly, the other reason it's great to set boundaries is you get more sleep. Like I feel like when I set <laughs> hard boundaries with my kids, I get more sleep and they're really respectful of them. Like last weekend, I was just wiped for some reason. I couldn't keep my eyes open. I couldn't take a nap on Saturday. I tried to, and I just didn't fall asleep. And then on Sunday, I was really tired. And my kids were like, mom, you still look really tired. And again, they're five and two. They're like, you still look really tired. Were you wanting to try to take a nap again today? We'll just go, we'll go play. And then you can go lay down and take a nap. I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) I don't have kids and I want somebody to say that to me sometimes. (laughs) We'll say that to you, Nikki. Thanks. (laughs) It's okay. That's fabulous. I love their awareness and that 
comes from the environment that they're being raised in. So that's just beautiful. All right. Last question. Are you ready? (laughs) Yes. Okay. What is the best part of putting dreams into action? Mm, I just think it feels like magic. Anytime you are able to take this idea in your head and bring it into the world, you just get a glimpse into the power that you have as a person. And I think there's a lot of negative connotations with the word power, but when I think of power, I think of transformation. I think of magic and just taking those dreams that you have, speaking them out loud connects you with such cool people because the people who connect with them obviously are your people. Like, and it's so great to find them and have them support that vision that you hold. And then having that team behind you to turn it into reality just is amazing. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest feeling. Nicole, thank you so much for pulling up a chair and joining us today. You are a delight. You are sparkly and glittery and awesome. And it's been so amazing talking to you today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on here. I just love any opportunity I get to reconnect with all of you. And whether we do it on your podcast or not, we should do this again soon. Absolutely. Listeners, thank you for pulling up a chair and joining our conversation. We see you. We love you. And until next time, remember, all the parts are the best parts. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Best Parts Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media or with anyone you think would enjoy it. After all, sharing is caring. And be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts as it helps others find us. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at The Best Parts Podcast or visit our website at thebestpartspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, Remember that all the parts are the best parts.